everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Michelle, for that incredible work. What a picture of generosity. I never cease to be amazed by how generous this church is. Um, the resources that go forth to fund things in the city is amazing. Um, today we're coming to the table of love, the table of radical generosity, where we are fed and nourished by Jesus today. He gives us everything that we need that we can continue to be generous as he calls us um, into this world. So as we prepare for the table this morning, let's open our scriptures to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And as we do, let's pray. God, we ask that your word would go forth this morning, planting itself deep in our hearts, that we might be changed, transformed by your spirit, that we might grow more in your likeness. Lord, it's only by your word and only from your voice um, that we can do that. So we, we listen, Lord, for the leading of your spirit this morning. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. First Peter, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Wives, in the same way, I'm going to need a little more light, you guys. I can't see. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of, gentle, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and, and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two thoughts upon reading this passage today. One is I feel like I should probably pray again. And um, secondly, just seriously, who assigned me this passage to preach on today? I mean... <laughs> Really. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, today we're in our sixth value in our pursuit of Jesus, deploy generosity. And our tag is invest who you are and what you have in what God wants to do. Invest who you are and what you have and what God wants to do. Last Sunday, outside, I was outside the sanctuary um, during one of the morning services, and I ran into one of our dads out there who has a 13-month-old baby named Bruce, and um, when Bruce saw me, he literally jumped out of his dad's arms into mine, and I, I grabbed him and took him and just felt that, 
that love. Um, you know, in this time of COVID, that was such a surprise, right? We're not supposed to touch people. We're not supposed to hug people. But that moment was so life-giving as Bruce just decided he was coming my way uh, with love and blessing. Now, I baptized Bruce last June. I've seen him maybe once since. Um, last time I held him, I put you know, lukewarm water all over his head. But still, he came at me um, giving, giving me a lot of love last week. I walked away from that moment thinking, I want to be more like Bruce. And in fact, if I were to sum up this passage with three words, they would be this. Be like Bruce. <laughs> Run towards people with love and blessing. And all you have, give it away. Deploy generosity. A generous giver, according to scripture, is one who gives more than expected, who gives in surprising ways, who gives out of a place of abundance, who understands that God supplies everything that is needed. And so the giver doesn't worry or fear that he or she will be left empty after being generous, but in faith lives in a posture of giving, knowing that God is the provider of all things he or she will ever need, a generous God makes us generous. That's why Peter can write with confidence here such an unexpected and surprising command to his fellow believers when he writes, repay evil and insult with blessing. Did you catch that? So to those who speak poorly of you, who insult you, who wish you evil, those who intend you to harm you literally speak well of them. Bless them, give them a blessing. In a world where evil and insult rule the day, deploy generosity. Send out the unexpected and surprising blessing of the Lord and watch how God supplies all your needs and uses you to bear witness to his blessing in this world. Because to this, writes Peter, you were called. Peter sums up this whole, section, this whole section, last week's passage and this week's passage, um, with this call to be remarkably different than the surrounding culture. Finally, he writes, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. So let's talk about Peter's world for just a moment. As Pastor Tim said last week, it's hard to get our, head, our heads around what it must have been like to live in the Roman Empire. Um, the, cult, the culture was organized, and we talked about this last week, into a brutal hierarchy. So for women, slaves, foreigners, those of lower class, the system was set. You submitted to those who were above you or you faced the consequences. For those in places of power, the weak were to be lorded over, exploited, and ruled. Submission to the powers over you was a given. You submitted. And it's then into this established and harsh culture that the work of God comes, that the Spirit plants the work of God to be a witness for Christ. And the Spirit gathers men and women, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. The Spirit breaks down all the barriers, brings people together who shouldn't be associating with one another, stands them next to each other, eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder, side to side, brothers and sisters in Christ. And slowly and patiently, the generous work of the kingdom goes forth, and people who normally would be divided 
by class, by gender, by race, are being built together as living stones. Love, compassion, sympathy, unity, and humility, all supplied by the Spirit, are the building blocks of this new temple. So last week we looked at Peter's instructions to slaves and to those who lived under the rule of Nero, who was one of the cruelest leaders of all time. And today his words come to us, to husbands and wives. So our passage opens with Peter speaking directly to the wives in the congregation. More specifically, he speaks to wives of unbelieving husbands, husbands who have not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior, who do not yet believe the word of God. And he writes this, wives, in the same way, and that just that same way, if you look back earlier in this whole passage, it's out of reverence for the Lord. So wives in the same way, out of reverence for the Lord, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So in this time period, in that time, wives were considered the property of their husbands. They didn't have a choice in who they married. Marriages were strategic. They were put together for the well-being of the man. And wives could be dismissed from their marriage for any reason at any time. The husband didn't like how they looked, gone. Infertile, divorced. They contract a disease, done. There was no recourse, no protection, and no justice for a dismissed wife. Wives had to follow the husband's life in all things, including religion. So stay in line, don't rock the boat. If you got kicked out, there really is nowhere to go. That's how it was. It's hard to get our minds around what a marriage like that in that kind of culture was like. It's not really where we live today. But this courageous group of wives that Peter is talking to, who have met Jesus, joined this worshiping community of believers, were there taking enormous risks. See, a wife was not supposed to have a different religion from her husband. Simply that act of naming Jesus as Lord and Savior would be enough to dismiss her from the marriage. But the word of God comes to them, specifically, right there where they are. Literally, Peter's words mean, wives, place yourselves underneath, right, submission, underneath your own husband's. And it, has, and, and it should cause us to pause for a minute and think about that. Why these words? Of all the words Peter could have written in these moments to encourage these wives, why does he write, submit? Wives already had to submit to their husbands. That's not new. That's what the societal code demanded of them. So is Peter just rubbing salt in an open wound? Do they really have a choice? And the answer is yes, there actually is a choice. You can submit because the code demands it and pushes you into it, or you can submit from a place of complete freedom in Christ, out of love, and out of the beauty of serving another, out of a spirit that chooses to place oneself underneath another and trust God with what happens next. To be a disciple of Jesus is to serve, to come underneath another. Now, this whole moment, I, I think, is quite amazing. What we first learn is that God sees wives. God sees women. In a world where women are not seen, God sees. God sees them. He knows their situation. And he calls them to follow the way of Christ. 
These women in this moment are given spiritual training. This in itself would have been unheard of. You see, Peter's instructions are to equip them to be effective evangelists in their own homes. The goal is not to separate from an ungodly husband, but to win him for Christ. So in this litany of submission, we reach this next group. All citizens to the emperor, all believers to one another, all slaves to masters, all wives to husbands. Why? In order to show the world who Jesus is. So how does a wife with an unbelieving husband bear witness to Jesus in her marriage? Peter says, not with words. <laughs> in quiet and godly submission, coming underneath, that he might, he the husband might, see her works and glorify God. Not with words. I know, I, I like words too. I like to use words. Not with words, writes Peter. Also not with fancy hair or really cool jewelry or foreign perfume. Not that these things are evil. Peter simply says, don't worry so much about all that. There's another way of more lasting beauty. The one way in this particular culture that women had power over men was with their external beauty. So should a wife use that kind of power to get her husband to notice Christ? No, no. It's not your looks that change a man, it's the Holy Spirit that transforms a person. Our lives become a holy witness to others of the saving grace of God. So trust Jesus and be a blessing to your husband. And I need to add here, just because it's important, this scripture, this particular scripture has been quoted way too many times to keep wives in abusive relationships. Let me be very clear that that's a terrible misuse of this passage. There is no call for wives to endure abuse, physical harm, or gross manipulation from their husbands. And if that's the situation you are in as wives, please say something. Let someone know, a pastor, a trusted brother or sister. The body of Christ is called to protect the weaker ones, not push them back into suffering. And then Peter turns to husbands in the room and he says this, husbands, in the same way, again, out of reverence for Christ, be considerate as you live with your wives or consider your wives. Be kind, thoughtful, generous, consider them. Treat them with respect, with honor as the weaker partner. And this is in reference to a woman's physical frame, the weaker partner, her physical strength. For the most part, men can physically overpower women. And at that time, it was okay to use physical force to make somebody submit. In our, in our family, Adam and I sometimes test out, you know, who's the weaker partner. <laughs> Usually it's in the form of a really hard to open jar of salsa, right? And it's always him, it's always him. Um, I can outswim him, but when it comes to pure strength, core strength, you know, no contest. But here's the thing. What is the norm in this culture is that anyone who is considered weak, and see that previous list we talked about, they are to be lorded over. Whatever it takes, they are to stay in their place of weakness. But in the kingdom of God, the weak are to be lifted up, honored, respected. They are given the best seat at the table. So Peter turns this entire paradigm on his head, on its head. The weak are to be given the greatest honor. Give honor to your wife. And then he somehow ties that to the husband's prayer lives, if you saw that. So if you don't honor and respect who is weak in your house, he writes, your prayers will be hindered. 
Now, I'm just going to let you discuss that over lunch. <laughs> Um, Peter writes it, guys, it's there, so discuss. But I'll just say this, a generous God makes us generous. A generous God makes us generous. Get generous like Jesus and you will find yourself very, very close to him. Husbands, Peter writes that your wives are heirs with you, co-heirs of the gracious gift of life. Again, let's get that in context. This was probably the first and only time these husbands heard a speaker up front directly talking to their wives. And in that moment, they would have to look at their wives and realize, oh, he's talking to everybody in the room. Everyone is listening. Do you see that? There they are standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side. A wife's spiritual life with the Lord is not granted through her husband, but she stands strongly and sturdy next to him as a full receiver of the grace of God. This is a radical gospel for a cultural context that has no category for this truth, no ability to understand this and how God has made us. Peter is setting or resetting a frame for marriage that elevates wives and harkens back to Genesis. The two different yet equally bearing the image of God shall become one. I had a mentor once tell me that Christian marriage is two people out of love for one another and love for Christ working to outserve the other, pouring out blessing and generously giving themselves for the sake of the other. As Paul writes in Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, serve one another, place yourself underneath one another. Mutual submission is a radical departure from how our world works. And it's a transforming commitment that changes hearts. So the question remains, do I have to submit in marriage? The answer is absolutely not. You don't have to do anything. Do I have the privilege, rather, of submitting myself to my husband so that I might be a part of blessing and lifting him and being a part of the work that God is doing in his life to make him more like Christ. Yes, why would I not wanna be a part of that? The invitation here is to have a joyful and humble opportunity to practice submission with the one we love most in this world and watch how God transforms our marriages. Thanks to Jesus, it's possible. And I want to add for my sisters in the room and those watching at home that our salvation does not come from climbing the ladder of brutal hierarchy, seeing how many people we can now have serving and submitting to us. That's the way of the world. In the world, Jesus says, greatness is measured by how many people serve you. In the kingdom, greatness is measured by how many people you are serving. That's Mark 10. It's a good story if you want to look it up and hear me on this. As women step into more places of leadership in our culture, that's so good. Give it your all. Lead with all your gifts. And let's remember who we are in Christ. We don't lord over anyone. We serve and we lift and we love. The way of Jesus is the path of humble submission, freely chosen for the sake of Christ, that others might know him. This is true power. This is the power of Christ at work in our world. The other night, Adam and I had an intense moment over an empty ketchup bottle. Um, there are many things we can do without in our house. Ketchup is not one of them. I know, right? So after some back and forth, Adam offered to go get some. 
And I won't go into details, but I will just tell you in that moment, I, it, it, was a, it was a move of self-sacrifice and servanthood. And I know ketchup is silly, y'all, I know. But he blessed me enormously in that moment. <laughs> Ultimately in marriage, it's not about ketchup or toothpaste or how the toilet paper rolls. But each of these is an opportunity to practice servanthood and generosity, setting aside our preferences for the sake of another. So that when the bigger things come along, we've actually practiced, we have a grid for how we seek the Lord together in the way that he would have us move. And I do wanna say that my husband is an incredible servant to our family. He'll tell you that his call in our marriage and in our family is to be the head servant, the lead servant, because that's what we're all called to. He models servanthood, because that's what we're all supposed to be about. He'll tell you that he's terrible at it. I'm gonna tell you that he's awesome at it. And it's because he's close to Jesus. None of this stuff is easy, you all, ever, for any of us. Generosity and blessing and servanthood at this level is impossible, I would say, without Jesus. So some of you are sitting here saying, I'm not married. What's this whole thing got to do with me? You know, I'm 12. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) But hear this. A generous God makes us generous. Marriage is just one example. It's an intense example. Yes. If you're not married, maybe this helps you get a picture of a future marriage, a past marriage, a friend's marriage, and that's great, that's perfect, but more importantly here is the bigger theme. How do you live generously? How do you pour out blessing into the world? How do we deploy generosity? Of course, it also touches our finances. We haven't even talked about that this morning, our tangible giving. How hard is it for you to open your wallet and give away what you have? And we just saw some amazing pictures of generosity, of what can happen when, this, when a church, this church, gets together and gives a lot away. It changes a city. That's an important arena of life. Same challenge. A generous God, though, makes us generous. If you can start to work out this in your most intense and intimate relationships, you can start to feel, you can start to feel the transformation of the Lord in every area of your life. So where do we start? Friends, we have been saved and reached and loved and restored by a generous God. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, the whole thing, this whole litany of submission and all its challenging pieces of how to apply it and what's the context. It's all under the umbrella of Peter's words in chapter two. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus, look to Jesus. He gave himself away. He calls us to the same way of life, to serve, to love, to bless, and to lift. So as we come to this table this morning, you might have noticed behind me that the image for deployed generosity is the picture of these, you know, these hands with a plate extending the plate, holding it out, giving what is on the plate away. At this table, um, we come understanding that all that we have to give away comes from God. It's from Him. He gives abundantly to us more than we could ever ask or imagine. So today we come to this table, there's a plate, right, with bread on it. There's a cup of salvation given generously to you and to me as Jesus serves us and feeds us today that we might live in the way of Christ, 
in the world. And so Jesus invites us here, right here, to serve us, giving us everything that we need. And then he's going to send us out generously to serve a world in need, a broken world in need, who needs to know, gosh, he needs to know the love and blessing of God. This table is not a Presbyterian table. It's not a table of first press. It is the table of the Lord. And all who long to follow Jesus, to walk in his steps, are invited to come eat and drink. And during this time, we aren't sharing the same bread and the same cup. Um, We're using these little, um, you know, personal cups of safety, I guess. Um, But I will tell you, there is nothing safe about taking communion, you all, because this meal changes us. It changes how we live in this world. It causes us to go forth with generosity, giving it all the way. Um, you'll know that you'll notice as you you know in a minute we'll we'll take these little covers off. They're kind of loud and they're kind of hard. But there's a cellophane layer that you'll take off first. Take the bread and then a a tin foil layer that comes off um, for the juice. Um, we'll do that in a moment. But as we get ready for that, um, Michael's going to prepare us to receive the meal of Christ today. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.